Welcome to the Real Driving Man Podcast. I am John Henry, and this is going to be another episode of self-therapy where I just kind of get to rant unofficially about things that are going through my mind. It's for myself. If you want more assistance or want to hear me talk about a more precise topic, maybe maybe the right word, uh, check out my bipolar talks. They're usually named... And I do try to focus on the mental illness. But I started this podcast just talking about whatever, and I kind of continue this in that tradition here. And today, I already kind of went off on my last uh, episode about um, women generally, and I wanted to get myself even more shadow banned than I already am. So I decided (laughs) I'm going to talk about that today, mainly inspired uh, by the fact that I listened to a bunch of Chris Williamson, who I've one of my podcast rotations, and he had on it was Dr. Corey, Corey Clark, and they kind of just talked about this hyperfeminization of especially universities. And what do I mean by hyperfeminism? Maybe it's not the right term. I should just maybe should talk about my experience. So I've talked about it before, but my experience at university was uh, I was at university. I was uh, I was a top student at CU, and I was originally going to go and do my PhD, um, but then the pandemic hit, and a lot of these problems of the university began to show their effects. I think that things were already in motion, and I decided I couldn't stay here. And at the time, it was involved with a lot of emotion, and to a degree it still is, and I couldn't untangle why I left, but it was just a feeling. And now I can... I wanted to kind of expand upon that feeling, not the whole thing, but one aspect of it was I noticed that when I say hyperfeminization, I mean that just numbers-wise, there's more women going to school than men, which has its own host of problems that I am not entirely qualified to talk about, so I'm not going to. Um, but it, and I'm going to quote a lot from uh, a lot of different people I listen to. Uh, Jordan Peterson was one who said that uh, I, was, I listened to his lecture, I bought his lecture series on personality, and one of them is agreeableness, and agreeableness is one of the known differences between men and women. Women are much higher, men are lower. And one of the things that he, I think, hypothesized or theorized in the lecture was that agreeableness is the dimension to take care of infants, because when an infant is an infant, you have to respond to every one of its needs, no matter what it is, because it's an infant, And that is kind of the nurturing care of that. And that, but it's not the reason you don't want to be agreeable all the time. (laughs) And this is, I'm a, I'm not massively disagreeable, but I'm, I'm relatively disagreeable. And he talked about how, why why do you want to be a disagreeable person? Disagreeable people, (laughs) as one of them, we can be a pain in the ass. Um, Why would you want to do that? Well, you'd want to do that because, you wouldn't want to, or you wouldn't want to do that all the time because treating everything like it's an infant and everybody like it's an infant is not necessarily the best way to treat people. Um, and I think that that is the biggest thing you do start to see in universities. Women tend are by nature more compassionate, more caring, more concerned with others' feelings. And I want to admit here because I don't want to just rail on women, like I, I especially as a guy who's trying to find, who would like to find. Um, uh, a woman to fall in love with. I don't want to 
beat on them and I'm going to try my best not to. But I do have a more masculine personality and um, I'm going to see what I I saw. And part of the reason this frustrates me so is I see on universities we care about minority groups. Oh, we care about people's feelings. We care about black people. We care about um, you know LGBTQ women. And then the people we – one of the reasons I find it disgusting is because also then we'll – if you're so caring, why don't you also care about men, white people? I mean, they're people too. Um, and I think that's more like almost like past ancestral trauma that people hang on to and they have to rail on white people because people who looked like this did bad things recently in the past. Um, and I don't know. I'm not going to try to dissect all of that. But there is a definite, definite dislike for white people and especially white men. And especially white straight men, um, which is all the things I am. So that's part of my frustration because I definitely felt a little bit of that animosity. And that if you're such a caring group, um, what about all these other groups? Also, I have bipolar. And I would put that schizophrenia and bipolar are we – are we are a minority. We're a tiny minority, smaller than like black people in the country. Um, and we are not granted that status for reasons that I think include, uh, when people are bipolar and schizophrenic, they say crazy shit that makes people feel unsafe and uncomfortable. And so people don't understand it and they push it away to a degree, which they don't with other classes. And so growing up, I had this, I grew up with bipolar and ADHD and I was a boy with a masculine personality. I had plenty of issues growing up and mainly I learned from very strong women in my life like my mother and my sister that I had to develop a mentality that had some degree of thick skin because I have this condition that most people don't have that's going to make it harder for me to function in the world and while there are things and steps I can take to mitigate this illness, it is going to be a factor that causes a lot of trouble throughout my life. So I better learn to develop some thick skin and deal with it and not complain and ask for help every time I – or not ask for help because asking for help is important. But whine about being treated one way and, and, and just cry and be the self-pitying victim. Because guess what? Most people aren't going to understand what it's like to have bipolar and ADHD. They don't want to, and you need to figure out how to function in the world anyway. And those are things that I was taught by women in my life. I would say, if anything, my mom contributed more towards my masculinity development than my dad did. My dad's um, he's kind of split down the middle. He's he's not very neurotic, and in, in that's another area of personality, neuroticism, where women are higher than men. But my dad's very agreeable, and so I didn't I didn't get that from him. I got that from my mom. I got it from my martial arts teachers and other men in my life. And I love my dad. Don't different area of different discussion. Let's just say. Um, and at a university, like when I got to university, I thought we could all be adults and that we could discuss issues like. Um, you know, why are certain groups of, uh, you know, black people or white people, why do they have different outcomes? What are the reasons behind this? However tragic they may be, let's find the truth about this so we can help them. And if we discover uncomfortable truths along the way, I mean, that's life. Life is full of uncomfortable truths. And 
I want to acknowledge that um, I don't even I've had a very privileged life in, in a lot of ways, especially in terms of my mental health care. But <sighs> uncomfortable truths are something that everybody has to deal with, no matter who you are. Like it's just part of being human. And science, I think, in, to me, I guess, what is science? Science to me is the pursuit of truth so we can understand the world around us and hopefully make our lives better and all the rest. And the truth, and this is where if you want someone to talk about it, go listen to Jordan Peterson because he's great at talking about the truth and a lot of this is just taken from him. So I want to give that him credit for that. The truth will set you free no matter how uncomfortable it is and take it from someone who has been psychotic at multiple points in my life, meaning that my touch with reality has been quite shaky at times and I don't know what's going on. And after my first manic episode when I did have these psychotic breaks where my touch with reality was lost for periods of time and I didn't know if I controlled the entirety of myself, I realized that I have to start telling the truth because no matter how disgusting and uncomfortable the truth is, if I say the truth, speak the truth, and it aligns with what's happening and actually is the truth, then at least even if I'm the most psychotic, I have a baseline of reality. And thank God most people don't have to deal with stuff like that. But I got very, very comfortable with uncomfortable truths, having bipolar, having these Ill illnesses. And universities are a place where we're supposed to pursue the truth. We're not supposed to. And that doesn't mean we shouldn't be considerate to groups and people and, and, and have a degree of respect and politeness towards these groups that we interact with. But... When I heard in this podcast with Chris Williamson that scientists would get paper, like t professors would get fired and their papers retracted for having papers that just reported outcomes where men did better than women or black or white people did better than black people. I was like, this is science. And while a lot of professors, and I'm trying to acknowledge, don't support this stuff, but they don't speak up, fuck you. Fuck you. You're in a position of somewhat authority to speak on this and you don't have the balls to speak about it so I some fucking dropout who never even went to graduate school is talking about on this podcast that no one fucking listens to unless you do and that I love you you're great and I uh, leave a YouTube comment listen to me I, I do want to try to interact with my audience more and I do appreciate those who do come and listen and I saw the amount of I, – I, like one of the things uh, – it's 2024. It's relatively early. It's been a month. And one of my – I'm not a big guy on big New Year's resolutions because I think you should just develop a good habit whenever. Like it, uh, you don't need the New Year to do that. But I like I – the I get the culture behind it. So I set one that was vague and it wasn't – it was just a word. I said courage because um, I heard a story about a guy on the Titanic who – um, I think it was actually on Rogan. It was a guy who uh, was just a cook and got hammered and eventually, because he got hammered, ended up surviving. But to me, that was, okay, whatever. That's a, it's interesting, but what I caught in the story is that when he talked about his experience that uh, as people were rushing the lifeboats, he was helping women and children and forcing women and children, women who did not want to get on the lifeboats, onto the lifeboats. And he was forcing these people on, um, and he himself stayed behind. Um, and I was like, fuck, I want to be that guy. I want to be the type of man who sacrifices my own life for that of others. 
And that's a really hard thing to do, and it's easy to talk about on a podcast, but to actually do it um, takes a lot of courage. And I think courage, that's a big, big courage. Courage comes in little steps, and you have to start taking them. One of them was this podcast. I I recently got rid of a lot of my old episodes um, because I just – I wasn't happy with the quality, and I wanted to have at least some degree of quality on the episodes I released. And while I have good and bad podcasts, especially – most of mine are solo. Um, I wanted to have that quality there, but at the same time, I wanted to be able to speak about stuff like this. I think this stuff is important, um, and I hope that I can, you know, learn to correct things that I may not be totally accurate on in the process. And this, I don't like this patronizing because I saw it with helicopter moms. I went to a school that was full of helicopter moms, and I couldn't stand them, and. I see that in universities, and I'm like, we're adults here. Like, we don't need, like, some of the most incredible people I have. I mean, speaking of black people, I have, I, I do comedy. You, you meet a lot of black people. And one thing that I always really found interesting is about black people, especially coming from a pretty much the opposite world. I came from an upper middle class, white neighborhood. I wasn't around it. And I learned about, like, all the awful things that had happened to them. But what was so interesting to me is that when I met these people, and in the, some of my, one of my best friends is black, is that they had this strength that came from the fact that they did not wallow in the victims in, in their victimhood, and they had plenty of things to be victims about, more so than I did. And I love that when I talked to these people, they were vibrant, interesting people, or you know, varying. You know, there's all types of black people. And that that wasn't – that's what I always thought was such awesome about their strength is that they didn't always bring up how they were treated differently because of the color of their skin. I mean except in obviously context when conversations go into those realms. But on the surface, they had this strength and I think maybe that came from overcoming those things. And not to say that was like rightly so, but that was to me very inspiring that they weren't victims and I really liked that. And I didn't like how that in some areas, while we should be respectful and courteous to people's cultures, we should also be, have the curiosity and the willingness to make honest mistakes, be called out and corrected for them in a legitimate way, not in some, you're not saying what's right and that's defensive. Like, this is a university. Some things we say may be offensive, but we have to figure things out. We're in pursuit of that. And... We're going to find studies that have fucked up outcomes, fucked up, like in, in this podcast with Chris Williamson and, and um, uh, Corey, oh, Corey Clark. They talked about shit. This happens when you start a podcast and you're so pumped up and then you fucking forget what you're talking about. Um, they talk, oh yeah, they talked about these two fields of evolutionary psychology and behavioral genetics and they're kind of intertwined that are like big no-no fields because they tell things like that may make people uncomfortable and, and one of I don't even know if it's in this line like I said I'm not in those fields uh, but here's a finding uh, Asians and white people tend to do better in schools and if you look at that it kind of correlates with the number of hours they spent studying 
and take it from someone I grew up around a bunch of Koreans, and they are the hardest working, hardest working motherfuckers you will ever meet. And their outcome showed. Part of the reason I'm so disciplined is because I saw what they were doing, and I'm like, shit, if I want to be good, I got to try to meet that. And understanding that just because, and I think it was like blacks and Latinos didn't study as much, and so they tend to have poor grades. There's a lot of reasons for that that, you know, have to do with probably the long entangled history of racism. And there's those elements. But the facts are there. And when people are running facts, especially at universities, to curate these facts so people can feel good, that's not what a fucking university is for. And how dare you treat these people as so victimized that they need to be protected by you who didn't even go through those experiences or at least give them the time of the day to be an individual and talk about those individual experiences this protective mommy helicopter mom is like you're protecting all the children that you fucking didn't have so you went to university and act like all these people are children and there's nothing more disgusting nothing more than disgusting to me especially because I was one than a fucking adult who hasn't grown up. Nothing more disgusting. And let's not treat them like that. This loving nannying thing, I think, is, you know, just like there's toxic masculinity, I'm guessing this is going to be maybe seen in the future as something that was toxically feminine. As women move in the workplace, we've got to have this balance-shifting thing. But I'm going to call women out on what I see. And like I said in my last episode... I ran into women who would not have a second date with me because I wouldn't condemn Matt Reif making fun of disabled people. And one, making fun of people is literally a comedian's job. I'm doing a roast on Friday. And you know what? In comedy, I've never felt the less offended. In fact, when I get roasted, I feel love because I think that the person there spent the time and the energy to think of a creative way to insult me. That is the ultimate act of love, especially for men. And I find it patronizing and disgusting. And I had enough moms down my throat growing up. I'm an adult. Stop trying to protect everybody at these fucking universities from being offended. Life is going to be offensive. And when catastrophe hits, this idea that... and before I go on, because I'm getting riled up. I love that, <laughs> in a weird way, I love that there's so much compassion, because if I talk to some of these professor women, they're probably compassionate, wonderful, smart people um, who just, you know, genuinely care for people. And that's admirable, and I can resonate with that, and I don't want to get as riled up as I've been getting about stuff like this. Um, because I'm not in their position, I'm not in their job, I, I get it, things are complicated, it's easy for me to say from this fucking podcast from nowhere. And I think part of the frustration comes from me, it's my personality, I do, I, I don't kind of get this type of stuff in the first place, and then there is a degree of emotion in me that thinks this is very superficial, um... I think it's not solving actual problems that these groups face by just being compassionate. Sometimes, and this is maybe where like it's more of a father stereotype, you have to tell people the truth. Like, when I was like age, starting out in university to mid-time, so like 19 to 21, 
um, I realized that when I was starting at university and really even 18, when I first started becoming an adult, I realized I was a loser. I played way too many video games. I didn't work out. I didn't have any good habits. Um, I smoked too much weed. And I didn't want to be a loser. And I had to be honest with myself and tell myself I didn't know how to talk to women. And I'm still learning those things now. But I had to tell myself that. I didn't have to lie to myself. And no one lied to me that I, where I was, what I that No one lied to me that I was at a place that I wasn't. And I'm thank God for that because I got to feel like – I think feeling like that loser. I was like, I don't want to be this person. I don't want to be this fucking involuntary celibate dude who just plays video games and doesn't know anything. And so I really put in the effort. I started to work out. And five years later or seven years later from 18, now I'm I'm really happy with where I'm at. And I went through a lot of shit. And that shit made me who I was. But I had to be honest where I was at, honest who I was, and even honest about my feelings about things, the, the, the good, the bad, and the ugly. I've talked about this before, and I was accused of being a school shooter. And as much as I knew, even from that accusation, that I was not a school shooter, I had to confront those violent, disgusting feelings within myself. And it was uncomfortable to a degree which most people can never even imagine. But if I didn't do it, who knows? And thank God that I did. We need uncomfortable truths. Sometimes you need to be told those truths to realize where you're at. And that doesn't mean you shouldn't have support for if you're try- like if you're a person trying to do better in any way. You should receive support to do that because I think everyone should try to better themselves. But sometimes you got to be honest with yourself and maybe it's because I am a straight white guy and I have – I had to – you know, society was like, you have all these things within you. I was like, yeah, maybe I do. And maybe I took all those criticisms and I tried to parse through them and that's what I think I did. And I tried to, and I'm still trying, to take the best parts of me but reserve those parts. I like the parts of me that's kind of aggressive. I have a mental illness that results in wild mood fluctuations. I have to be able to defend myself. How the hell else am I supposed to be stable? And maybe having this disease has given me a mindset that's differently than most other people's. And I'm trying to maybe help other people develop that mindset here. And... One thing that it was like, you have it. You cannot get rid if you have bipolar. It's a chronic illness. It's why I rail on people calling things neurodivergent. It doesn't fucking change the problem. If it helps you to call it something different, that's great. But it doesn't change the problem and what and the uncomfortable steps that you have to take to fix that fucking problem. Life is fucking hard. And while we do need, it's partly why I want... A, and why I tend to be attracted to more feminine women, I think I do have a agreement that's intense and masculine, and I like that to be balanced out. And I like when I'm around women and I see how naturally compassionate they are. And I'm actually a pretty compassionate uh, guy by personality tester standards. Um, I'm actually as compassionate as your average woman. Um, where I get really disagreeable is the aspect agreeableness breaks down into two aspects: into politeness and Compassion and compassion, I'm as compassionate as your average woman, um, which is moderately high, 
and uh, but I'm very I'm not polite at all. I'm very very impolite, and so that does skew. So I am a compassionate person, and I see it. But with, with, with there's a different type of compassion with women, and I think it is maybe it does come from some motherly instinct that I love and I see, and it's genuine. But that does have to be balanced with the re- harsh reality of reality. And how do I want to wrap this up? Because I don't want to rail on women for too long. I hope that people can find a way to be respectful of other groups, peoples, cultures, and still find a way to pursue truth. And all groups and all including straight white men, because there's a lot of amazing straight white men out there. And I'm a person who likes to judge people on the context of the character, not the color of their skin. And in our attempt to pursue that goal, let's not become the thing that we tried to get rid of. Let's be compassionate, but also, I think, not telling people the truth and what is actually happening is not a form of compassion. It's a form of narcissism that you tell It's the lie you tell yourself to make you feel like you're helping these people when you're not. Sometimes the most compassionate thing is to look a person in their eye like I did to my 18-year-old self and say, you are a loser. Do something about it.